property, we ended up finishing our discussion on the bundle of sticks and ultimately on our overview of the concept of property in general. But today we talked about the right to use and the right to destroy. These are our final two sticks in our bundle that we're talking about. Let's go over each of these one by one. Traditionally, the right to use and the rule that you have here is that the property owner has the right to use their property in any way that they want to as long as they are not actually using that property to harm another person. There are some exceptions to this. Uh, the first exception is going to be spite fences and the second ex exception are going to be uh, is going to be the nuisance doctrine. So let's talk about sundown Sundowner Inc. versus King, and this is an instance of a spite fence. Well, a spite fence is, for example, if you own property surrounding uh, your land and you build a super tall fence to block out the light, to block out the air, to make it really difficult for surrounding neighbors to live. And what happened in this case, Sundower Inc. versus King, is that King had actually purchased this motel called Sundower Inc. Uh, from uh, Bushnell, who ended up going and building a new hotel right next door to the Sundowner. And so King, angry, built a fence right in between them, very close to this new hotel, now, really long, and he called it a sign for the purpose of trying to get this to pass as not a spite fence. So the question is here, is this a spite fence? Should it be allowed? Should it be uh, diminished so that it's no longer out of spite, so to speak. But what we learn from this case is that the intent of the fence matters. We also need to consider the harm that it causes to the others. And also we need to wonder if there's any good that this fence is serving, if there's any purpose for it that is beneficial to the actual owners of the fence. So let's examine each of these one by one. First, the intent. Obviously, the intent here was out of spite. They had conflict in the past. Uh, he had built this sign, and ultimately, he wasn't happy. And it seems like he may have just ended up calling it a sign to try and get away with building something out of spite. The second part is the harm caused to others. Well, obviously, this is causing a big harm to the neighboring property. Uh, it makes it very difficult to breathe because it's restricting the air. Not difficult to breathe. But, I mean, the air could get stale uh, from sitting with low ventilation and things like that. But it's also restricting light. And ultimately, it's hurting business because what people are going to want to come to your hotel, check into a room, and all you can see is a fence. Nobody. So that's really where the harm is there. Now what about the benefit that may have served to the owners? They called it a sign saying it was advertising and it was the largest advertisement at that time in Idaho. Well there's no major benefit to it because of the cost that it actually took to erect this fence to begin with. So each of those things they kind of fell on all accounts. One last thing to consider is that if the harm caused to the, uh, to the other person is only annoying, then it may not be enough to establish that that object or whatever is a nuisance. Our second case is Prov versus Moretti. And what happened here is that one person had solar panels on his house 
and Moretti came and he started building in the next door. And so he wanted to put his house in a certain place so that he could have a good view. It would increase his property value. And Pra wanted him to scooch his house over so that he would not be on his shade in the light so that his solar panels could actually be used. Under the common law, uh, the sunlight, there was no law that would bar landowners from using their property the way they wanted for the purpose of sunlight. Uh, And there, there are three reasons for this. First is that it didn't cause any physical damage to the neighbor. Second, sunlight was only used for enjoyment. And third, there was an interest in not impeding the development of land. But this court, in this opinion, countered those three traditional common law arguments. And they said, one, is that increasing that there are increasing regulations on the use of land and the purpose of this is to benefit society. Two, sunlight is no longer just used as a good feeling for enjoyment thing, but it's actually used as a source of energy in the case of these solar panels. And third, society no longer desires as much, at least, the unimpeded development of land. So ultimately, what we learn from this case is that there needs to be a purpose other than just aesthetics in order to restrict the rights of others. So that finishes up our right to use. Let's go on now to our right to destroy. So again, traditionally, the rule is that people have the right to destroy. But there are exceptions as well. Let's talk about what it means to destroy something before getting into those exceptions. Well, most property we have the right to dispose of naturally. If I wanted to throw away my computer, I could. If I wanted to sell it to somebody, well, that's that's transferability. If I wanted to convert its use to something else, maybe like an aesthetic art piece, I could. If I have an apple and I eat the apple, well, then in essence, I'm destroying it because it is no longer functioning as an apple. And this gets into our in case of when people don't have the right to destroy. Do insane people have the right to destroy? What about people who are lacking capacity to destroy? And the answer to that is no. But what about people who put it in their wills that they want their property destroyed after they die? And that's really where this case, Iron Man versus Mercantile Trust Co., comes into play. What happened in this case is that there was a home number four Kingsbury Place in St. Louis. It was a very prestigious location, kind of like the premier place of St. Louis in the Midwest at the time. And so it was very popular, and you really wanted to value this property. But the Johnsons, who owned this property at that time, when she died, she had it written in her will that she wanted the building to be demolished and the land sold and then given to her um, beneficiaries and the neighbors were scared that this would happen and so they got together and they sued uh, the trust to try and prevent this from happening so the court takes into consideration several policy measures to determine whether or not people have the right to destroy first in this case they're looking at the benefit or the preservation of the estate uh, the home at that time was forty thousand dollars uh, if you destroyed it, uh, cleared all the land, etc., the home, the property would only be have a value of like six hundred dollars, 
which wasn't a lot. So they said there's no right to the there, – there's not a good reason to destroy this for the sake of the estate. The court also examines the interests of the neighbors. Uh, if they destroy the home, it decreases the neighboring properties by $10,000 apiece, which was a significant amount of money. And so there's no good reason to destroy it for the interests of the neighbors. And third, there's the interests of the public. Considering how this was a very popular, a very special uh, place, uh, the, it would not have a good benefit to the public to have this destroyed. And so ultimately the court says for these policy reasons, for the benefit of society, a very utilitarian argument there, you do not have the right to destroy this home in your will. And so it really goes on to point out a couple of differences that I just want to make before finishing this off, is that people, if she was living, she would have had this right, but considering that she had passed on, she no longer had this right. And this really illustrates the idea that property is for the living. That's point number one. The second point that I want to make is that even though the court says there was no good to this, no good to that, no good to this, there could potentially be seen as a good if that home was to be destroyed and the land raked to and sold. Well, then a home would probably presumably be built on that land again. And so was there really this harm to society that was actually being said in this case? That's really up for you to decide. But that's really our bundle of sticks. Just to recap our bundle of sticks, we first have the right to transfer. And again, this is the right to alienate. We have the right to exclude. We have the right to use. And we have the right to destroy. And that finishes up our concept of property. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials. And the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.